Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host, and Nancy Weckworth. So today we're going to speak with Daniel and Allison, and we're actually going to talk about Stroke Focus and how it started. Just kind of fill you in on what it's about. So Daniel, can you share your story and what made you start Stroke Focus? Thank you, Kim, for the introduction. Glad to be here. In September 2012, I had a brainstem stroke. In about three minutes, everything I worked for evaporated. Before it happened, I was active without any risk factors. I was working as the CIO of one of the largest community banks in Southern California. Both my family and career were going great. The initial prognosis was I might never stand up or talk again. In my darkest moments, two fellow survivors totally changed my course of recovery. One was a senior tax expert, who is now my very good friend. Another is Alison Shapiro. Alison handheld me throughout the entire recovery process. Without her, my recovery would be unthinkable. So in 2014, as I got better, I talked to Alison. Both of us agreed that this kind of support should be more available to people. In the previous two years, Alison helped me. She was in the Bay Area or Virginia. I was in Southern California. We never met in person, but what a great way of support. Later, I got to know Nancy Weckworth, a remarkable caregiver. 26 years ago, Nancy's husband, John, suffered a massive stroke at the height of his musical career. Nancy gave up her own musical career to take care of John. We learned from Nancy how important the early stage caregiving is to stroke recovery. And that totally resonated with the experience of Hong, my wife. That was how Stroke Focus started. What is Stroke Focus? Stroke Focus mission is to build a platform to connect stroke survivors, caregivers, family members, and service providers in an interactive dialogue. No one knows everything, but each of us has something to teach. We want to change how communication is handled in stroke care. Instead of only one side giving lectures, the other side only listening, we want to make it very interactive and participative. So, Allison, can you tell us about what you teach and what's unique about stroke recovery? Thank you very much, Cam, for having me on your show. It's a real privilege. I have been teaching stroke recovery for almost 12 years. I had two brainstem strokes 24 hours apart almost 15 years ago. And I realized as I recovered that there are things that we as survivors can do that make a tremendous amount of difference to the outcome of our recoveries. Most of us don't know how. 
there's a lot we can teach each other. As we go through what caregivers and survivors learn and we pool all that information, we have a tremendous resource. So you ask me what I teach. Everything I teach is based in something called mindfulness. And everything I teach is based on the principle that we are the key to our own recoveries. If we don't engage, nothing happens. And we can learn how to maximize that engagement. Okay. Nancy, do you have a question or some questions? I have a big question about engaging. Allison, when you work with these people, many of them have um, severe brain damage, and especially initially, how do you get them to engage and to come out of the fog that they are living in temporarily? What is your success? How do you get them to succeed? There are many ways to do this, Nancy, and we have to look at the different kinds of brain injuries. There are okay. many kinds of brain injuries. Some people's brains are so severely injured that they find motivation particularly difficult. But most of us are simply confused, lost, overwhelmed, afraid, and certain that we are not going to get better because we don't know how. Those people we can reach. And we reach them because we know what it's like to have been there. We reach them because we're believable. We reach them because when they look at us, those of us who survived and are thriving and teach, they can experience through the power of their mirror neurons in their brains what it means to recover. And when they get that in their bodies, they begin to learn how to find that path. Allison, you're giving me chills. This is such a beautiful description. Thank you for sharing that. What is the normal time frame? I know there's no normal for strokes because everybody's different. But what is typically, what do you see as to how your methodology works on their minds? Does it happen within a couple of days, a couple of weeks? Does it take longer than that? Can you give us an idea of how it works? question, Nancy. So I teach in a number of different ways. One of the ways that I teach is I go into rehab centers. I go with my friend Rita Martin, who is also a stroke survivor. And we give an hour-long talk for people who are in rehab centers, caregivers and survivors alike. And in that talk, more times than we can count, we have seen people go from being depressed and anxious and unsure to catching hope and to sitting up and having a sense of how they can proceed. So those people can be helped very quickly in the way in which they begin to believe that they can get better and they start to work for it. Then I also teach a course I created that lasts for eight weeks. And that actually teaches skills about how you do this. How do you engage? How do you work with yourself? What do you look for? That takes longer. The truth is that stroke recovery goes on for the rest of our lives. And the process may be shorter, may be longer, of regaining different kinds of function in each person. But the underlying strategy of how you work with it, how you pay attention to it, and how you avoid learned non-use is always the same. Nancy, how did you and Stroke Focus find each other? This is quite a story. I know. <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> 
John was in a drug trial with a Dr. Engel, who is actually the person who wrote one of the forewords for our book. And while we were there one day, this gal walked in who was a stroke survivor, and her name was Linda Ryback. And Linda and I got to talking and found out that she runs a stroke support group in Beverly Hills. And so she invited me to come into the Beverly Hills Stroke Support Group and bring my book and talk to the members of their stroke support group. I did that. It was an enormous success. Everyone there jumped up to buy the book. And lo and behold, Joanne Nakao was sitting in that stroke support group meeting. And Joanne was a friend of Daniel's. And she told Daniel about me. And then I got a call from Daniel. So in many support groups, caregivers are not having their voice heard. Have you seen this or what have you seen? I see that, unfortunately, all too much. Every time I go to a stroke support group, the caregivers, if they're even there, sit in the back of the room and they, they don't participate. They, they just feel like they're the person who's the chauffeur that brings their survivor to the meeting. And they feel that the meeting, the purpose of the meeting is just for the survivor. And this is something that it has now become my mission to change. As I listened to a few people on the East Coast that we're working with, where they separate the survivors and the caregivers at their meetings. This is a revelation and this is an opportunity for me to bring one of my big, biggest mission why I wrote the book is to share what I've learned with others. And if we separate those caregivers in the meetings and I attend, we can let them have a voice. And this, this is my goal, is to let the caregivers have a voice because they deserve to be heard and they deserve to learn and they deserve to live in joy and have new ways of um, surviving in their role as caregiver. Absolutely. And Allison, many survivors feel they are marginalized by their ailment um, because stroke is such a complicated injury. And many scientists or high-powered neurologists tend to think survivors and caregivers have um, little grasp of what's going on. What do you think about this? I think that most of us have never been taught. We don't have to become neurologists or physiatrists in order to understand what we need to do. If, when I go to talk to people in a rehab center, and I've been doing this for almost 12 years, the first thing I ask them is, what do you know about neuroplasticity? And 95% of them have never heard of it. Now, that's what's going on in our brains. Our brains are changing every moment of every day. And if we don't know that that's the process that we can employ to heal ourselves and regain function, how can we work with it? It's really simple to explain, but people don't even know what it is. So I explain it. And I always work with caregivers and survivors together because we never get better alone. Allison, how long has neuroplasticity been known about as a term and as a science? And why do you think that more stroke um, survivors and caregivers are not given that kind of information right up front? What's your theory on this? When I was first injured, which was 15 years ago, people were beginning to learn a little bit about it but they weren't talking about it much. I was living it. I was inside the living laboratory of myself. I was experiencing it. I was watching it happen. And I would stand up in rehab centers and I would say, 
this thing that you hear that you only have six months to get better, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And nobody was saying those things 12 years ago. So why weren't they being said? If you, if you look at what happens in the medical profession, each one of the people who treats us must be a specialist in the area in which they practice. They work so hard. They fill themselves up with so much information. They're under so much stress and so much liability. It's difficult for them in the systems in which they operate to adopt new ideas, to understand. They need the research. They need the bureaucracies that are a part of to understand it and to be behind it. There's so much that they need. And why it's not being taught today, I think, mostly it's because the professionals don't understand that all we need is a simple explanation. We don't need to be taught biochemistry to understand neuroplasticity. We can understand it by the way we move, by the way we recover, and by the way we work with ourselves. It's really not that difficult. The reason we have stroke focus. is because there's so much else that we can know that our medical professionals can't teach us, but we can teach each other. There's so much that we can provide to one another through this incredible resource that Daniel has created that will give us the tools that we need. I agree. Stroke focus is just this amazing thing that is just going to explode into the world as more people find out about it because we're free there to say what we have learned. We can teach one another and Mm -hmm. we have so much to teach. What is the idea behind the hand-in-hand show? Hand-in-hand has three meanings. First, it is our philosophy. We should work hand-in-hand together to solve the problems. To make it happen, it is very important that we recognize people not only need to hear voices from professionals, but also from survivors and caregivers. Not only voices from large organizations headquartered in major metropolises, but also smaller support groups doing wonderful work in the middle of nowhere to support the survivors. The more everyone's input is taken, the faster we will find a solution together. According to National Stroke Association, in U.S. alone, there are 6.5 million stroke survivors. If we add family members and caregivers, we're talking about 15 to 20 million people. Ever since stroke happened to us, not a single minute passed that we did not think about stroke or ways to get better. We are the most committed collectors of stroke-related information. At the same time, no biolab is more exquisite than our bodies. We are living it and watching from within how recovery happens every day. We are learning so much. What we gather every day, if put together, can greatly accelerate the research process and other processes to improve stroke care or one day find a cure for stroke. Second, it is our solution. In order to let the community work hand in hand, we need to bring them out to the internet to find each other and connect to each other. We learned that survivors and caregivers always want to talk about their issues with people who understand them, like other survivors and caregivers. But they are also very concerned that whatever they talk about will be read by people they know in their previous lives. 
and there are many situations a survivor or a caregiver does not feel comfortable sharing what's going on in their lives. For example, a survivor might have a difficult relationship with a spouse. This is the kind of situation that may not be productive to talk about in a place where survivors' friends and families can all read the post, because not everybody truly understands what the survivor is going through. An opinion may be formed, which may not help. But it's very important to have the survivor speak out and help him sort out the situation. And there's a third piece: there are many very good people and good businesses wanting to help survivors and caregivers. However, for a local support group, especially at its beginning, the budget is usually very low. And not everybody is very familiar with the technology. Therefore, they have to deal with the dilemma. If they spend money and time to build a website, there's no guarantee they can do it well. If they don't have a web presence, it will take survivors and families forever to find them. So, is there a solution that can give them a professional web presence at the same time, make it easy for them? To manage their own processes, we provide a solution that can bring them online in one or two hours, giving them a very professional presence and tools a successful support group will need. We built Handyhand Podcast to let them know that there is a solution for them. At the same time, they can come onto this show to let everybody know that they are doing some very valuable work. To help the stroke community, that is what Hand in Hand is about. Okay,、um, thanks for that, Daniel. That was a great explanation of of what we're about and、um, what is all behind this. I do want to go back for a moment and talk about what Allison also had said about our recovery and the doctors and. And everything, you know, twenty years ago, even stroke survivors weren't given any hope or information. You were just kind of sent home, and and nothing happened. And I think even fifteen years ago, and maybe even ten years ago, that was going on. But I think over the years, our providers have、uh, started learning that. There is more to our betterment over the years, and they're finding out that, and maybe don't they don't really broadcast it, but they are finding out that we as stroke survivors can make、uh, progress even five, ten, fifteen years down the road. But that also includes that we must be proactive in our. Recovery too, that we must. We can't just go home and sit. Just expect these things to happen. I think you've just tapped on one of the most critical terms that we all need to work with and remember when we are trying to help stroke survivors and caregivers, and that is the word proactive. It's a team. Those of us who are trying to help can only help as much as they are willing to learn and change and grow themselves. Do you find that true in your in your classes, Allison? Oh yeah, the recovery from stroke is the most participative form of healing I have ever seen. You don't put in, you don't get out. You cannot be passive. 
and hope to recover. There is no way. And we cannot do it by ourselves. We are in this together. Our caregivers need to understand how recovery works as much as we do. Mm -hmm. We need to understand how to work together. We need to understand how to build mutuality and compassion with one another. We need to learn how we can together make things happen. And I think it's incredibly important that both of us understand the nature of our participation. And it's absolutely wonderful what you teach, Nancy. Well, thank you. Yeah. My goal is to help caregivers to, to have their voice. And, you know, when I started the book, I had to do a bunch of research on the types of books that were out there for caregivers. And everything I saw was, this is how you do this medical thing. This is how you get additional help. This is, this is how um, you find someone to, else to come into your home and help you out. No one talked about how to find joy or to be happy as a caregiver. And I started looking at that and I said, oh my goodness, there's a huge void in the literature. And after 26 years of caregiving, I've learned how to live in joy. And I thought, here's what I can do. Here's how I can give back. And this is now my entire goal in life is to give back. Because other caregivers need to know that there is hope that they can be happier. And when they're happier, their survivor gets stronger and happier too. That's absolutely true. And that's a beautiful goal. It's an absolutely beautiful goal, Nancy. And I honor you for doing that. Thank you. We cannot help another person unless we take care of ourselves first. Exactly. We cannot spread happiness unless we ourselves are happy. That's exactly. True. That's why I always quote the caregiver's rule. Take care of yourself first so you can take care of others. Right. Yeah. And not just in terms of making sure you get enough sleep or you eat them. Oh, no, it's way beyond that. And that's what I, what I go into in my book. And, and exactly. it's how, yeah, exactly. It's about finding meaning. It's about finding joy. It's about being able to play. Play <laughs> potential for recovery, both for the survivor and for the caregiver. It's a beautiful dance that we all are a part of, isn't it? Again, our, our time is up. We have to go. Um, maybe we can expand this into uh, another uh, show uh, later, and uh, we'll just go from there. And, and I hope, Allison, that uh, you would join us again. And I thank you, though, for being here today. And I'm glad, Nancy, you were here with us because you both always well, Nancy, you always have great things to say, but Allison, you had some beautiful things today to say, and um, I hope that everyone has learned uh, something here from all of us. So thank you. We will talk soon. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hand in Hand Show. We hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to keep the discussion going, please join Stroke Focus, the social media website dedicated to stroke survivors and caregivers. The website address is https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net. Stroke Focus is S-T-R-O-K-E. 
O-K-E-F-O-C-U-S. Stroke focus is a part of Wohala, which in Mandarin means I have survived. If you wish to be a part of the show or would like to be interviewed as part of the show, please contact us at contact at strokefocus.net.